Hey there, everybody. Welcome. It is the Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 100. Bum, bum, bum. That 100. Is 100. Yes. And it is your pals, Mario, Brian, and our special guest. You may remember him from his adventures in Japan, our pal Kevin. Shazam. Hey, Kevin, guys. what's going on? Not too much. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Thank this you is, for joining us for is, big number 100. Yeah, quite the, the milestone for you guys. Yes, you were definitely a fan favorite, so we uh, it was a, it was good getting you back on again. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. So yeah, so this is episode 100. Can you believe that we've been doing this for two and a half years now? Two and a half years. Wow. The time just flies by. It's a long time. Hey, it's better than playing video games, right? It sure is. Although I like video games, just saying. Video games are fun, but this is uh, it's been quite a ride. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check out all of our information at skibumpodcast.com. You can check us out on the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. And we're also on Pinterest as highfalutins. And SoundCloud as highfalutin dash ski bum, even though we don't update it and it's becoming kind of a joke now. But we're still <laughs> going to keep talking about it because one day I'm going to go on there and I'm going to update it's all like of our SoundCloud. Time. It's like a time capsule. It's almost like a joke within a meme, within a riddle, within an enigma. So we're going to keep rolling with it. It's an alternate dimension, just like Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, that's right. We're Rick and Morty in it. Yeah. In one of our parallel universes that Rick and Morty have visited, all of our SoundCloud files are updated. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> They continue from number three where we left off on SoundCloud. It's like uh, Ski Bum Podcast 643-B. <laughs> That's right. That universe. That universe. Yeah. So please, and also go to your favorite podcasting app and rate us and subscribe. That would be really excellent. We'd really appreciate that. That'll help get the word out and help us spread our Ski Bum love all over the land. And if you need any help, we have instructions on SkiBumPodcast.com because the iTunes we, when you go on your phone and you try to rate stuff, it, it really does take like 15 minutes to figure it out. It's way too complicated. Yeah. If Steve was still alive, man, this wouldn't be happening. This is all Tim Cook. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Tim. That bastard. Yeah. Friggin' logistics guy running a design <laughs> company. This is what happens. Our buddy John just got an iPhone 8. He has some words for Timmy, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's not too happy. He didn't hold that for the X, huh? <laughs> for the 10? He had to get it. It was, it was right on his his agenda, but uh, oh. yeah, it's crashing on him a lot. Yeah. Not too happy. Not good, man. But we can never start, especially 100, without... It's time for our prey today. Oh, uh, yeah. That's our favorite time. For yeah. little, uh, our prey work, you know. So we actually had a, uh, what would you call it? An aperitif a prey? What, a well, pre an appetizer for an app- I'm calling it apre one and apre two. Appetizer? It's kind of like bar hopping for ap- apre. I'm call- I like appetizer. <laughs> I like appetizer too. <laughs> too bad, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's like this is the. I mean, that's a main one. You know. You it's know? still it. That's true. So we st- we we came out hitting strong today since it was a special day. Went to a really cool place. Uh, what was the name of it? Surf. Yeah, it used to be called Surf Barbecue, and now it's just called Surf. Great beer and and aperitivo uh, selection <laughs> <laughs> and food uh, stuffed our face and then we uh, celebrated with a little Pappy Van Winkle Reserve Twelve Year. So wow. uh, yes, we did. Very. We went, we went all out. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was good. I mean, we've been talking about Pappy for a long time. I I was on a quest for a little while to get some Pappy, and it never. You were on a quest for like six weeks. And you're like, ah, screw it, I'm done. Yeah, it's too much. You know. Well, we were talking to the, so they had the ten, the twelve, the fifteen, and the twenty. Yeah. And we opted for the twelve because ten wouldn't have been baller enough, and twenty would have been too baller. So we're kind of wanting to find that little sweet spot there. You're, you're keeping it real. We're keeping it real. Keeping it real. Exactly. We're keeping it still bum it a little bit. You know, there's also the difference between a two ounce pour and a one ounce pour. Yes, the ten and the twelve ounces you got, or ten and twelve years you got the one ounce or the two ounce pour. Yeah. And then the fifteen and the twenty was a one ounce pour for like the same price. Um, and we're talking to the bartender, and he was telling us that he had gotten a bottle of the fifteen year. And I guess the the retail price is like under two hundred bucks, right? Yeah. And he, he said sold it sixty or one something like that is what he was saying. Yeah, and he sold it to a dude who sold it in New York City for fifteen hundred fucking dollars. <laughs> oh my god! And that dude was the middleman. He was gonna that other guy was gonna resell it for like two thousand or something. Crazy. It's just it's lunacy. It's because somebody wants to be baller and have a bottle of Pappy and break it out. But like, look at this, just showing off for some broads. Hey, you want some Pappy Van Winkle over here? Uh, Make you a ginger and Pappy? Can I have a ginger and Pappy? This is gross. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a little whipped cream on top, maybe. Now, I'll I'll say it was good. It was not $2,000 good. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. You can get a lot of Macallan 18 for for $2,000. Yeah. You get 10 bottles. What was it, 23 or the 20? What did we have? The 25, 23? The 30 Macallan. With the 30. What was that? That was. It's over two grand a bottle. Damn, I'm glad I didn't buy it. Yeah. I'm glad somebody else had it and they shared it with us. It yes. Great. Yes. <clears throat> How many was... bottles of two grand liquor do you think they actually make? Not enough. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Obviously too much because or because it'd be it should be cheaper. You know, supply and demand. It should be making <sighs> more. Right. Bring the prices down. Make it available. Um, well, the thing is, McAllen's gotten so popular now because in Asia, like more affluent people are, you know, rising up through the tech scenes, and they're they're demanding to get all these Western, you know, whiskeys Whiskey and, bourbons. and bourbons. Yeah, that was a big thing with wine a while ago too. Like, um, oh yeah, they were. Um, there was a story where they were going up to Canada and buying like a ton of it because of the exchange. Oh really? And bringing it back. Jeez, it's some crazy thing. Like, I don't know. They had some. Like a run on wine up there. It's all it's all that new money. All those new yeah. money people. Yeah. <laughs> well, McAllen, in like the last like four years or so, it's gone up like fifty percent. Because I know you see get a bottle of the eighteen for like one seventy if you found a place that, that carried it pretty cheap. Now it's at least two thirty. Damn. Yeah, like four years ago. So now I'm trying to get a bottle, I'm trying to secure a bottle for my son who was just born so Ooh. I can save it. And then, you know, when he turns eighteen, be like, hey. This is an 18-year-old scotch. Here's an, a bottle of 18-year-old, but there's nothing in it because I drank it. That's well, it that's the thing. I'm going to get two <laughs> bottles, one for him to save and one for me to celebrate. So, Dad, this is gross. This is queer. Why would you drink this? <laughs> Listen, what do you know? It tastes like, uh, like, like soda. What, what do you mean? Go back to school where you belong. <laughs> Little bastard. No, so yeah. <laughs> I do want to get a bottle though and like save it for him. Damn, five weeks are, and you're already you're already there. I'm already you know jaded. You're bitter. Yeah. Wow, it's like crotchety already. Don't you have a job yet? Damn, kid ain't even working. He's like he's he's barely staying awake right now. I'm trying to get him toilet trained already. His diaper thing is getting old. Next week he's he's doing your taxes. That's what I'm hoping for. You know something. Contribute, bro. When you're old, you better get a job, kid. <laughs> Cut the lawn, something. All right, so that was 
Our aperitivo. Yes. And then our apre is you're having. I'm drinking a, uh, a Johnny Walker Gold, which is also an 18 year scotch, but it is a blend. So it definitely gets knocked down a, a peg or two from the single malts like the Macallan. But, you know, as far as the Johnny Walker collection goes, I don't even know if they make this anymore because they kind of changed their whole lineup but maybe a couple years ago. With black and green. They got like, well, they've always had the black and green, but there's like platinums they've thrown in there now and there's something else. So this is still from like the original. Like I got this maybe six years ago and I finally opened it this year because this was a celebratory summer. Did you get that at the same time you got the Four Loco? This is actually, <laughs> yes, it actually is the same summer. See? But this was purchased on a cruise ship, so you know it's legit. Uh. While the Four Loco was purchased at a gas station. If it's a Bandega, you Norfolk, know Virginia. Oh, there you go. Yeah. They, have yeah. Good, they had good Four Loco, and that's a good area for... The finest Four Locos. <laughs> yes. I mean, the watermelon, the orange, they were all divine. But yeah, this is the... Uh, the this is, it was called the Century Blend back then, and I'm not sure if they changed this one up or not. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a nice summer drinking this, and I... Uh, Keeping it real. Yeah, of all the Johnny Walkers, I think this was the best bang for your buck. The green was good. The gold label back then you could get between seventy and a hundred bucks. Uh, again, I don't know how they change things up now. The blue, it's like two hundred and something. Very overrated scotch, if you ask me. It's just people trying to show off drinking Damn. the blue label stuff. I think the black is honestly that's my, one of my favorite ones because I like black that. That's solid. Yeah, even the double black, the like a little bit yeah. smokier one, it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, the blue I use to uh, flush my dookies. <laughs> <laughs> I clean my tools with the blue, right? <laughs> my toilet with that. Yeah. But the gold is uh, is really nice. So, Mario, what are you drinking? Uh, I don't want to bring it down. You guys have some good liquors, so I'll let mm. Kevin go. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got Zabrówka, which, if you're not Polish, is, I guess, bison grass vodka. Nice. It's uh, What's bison? Yeah, I, was, I had to dig out the, the back of the, the cabinet for this one. So. <laughs> Figure after a couple of years of it sitting back there, it's time to enjoy it a little bit. Oh, this it's is finally good. coming up in age, right? And how do you spell yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of umlauts and stuff. I don't know. Mm, nice. I see <laughs> it here as Z-U-B-R-O-W-K-A. Yeah, we can go with that. A bunch of other stuff on there. There's a... So it's spelled like Zubroka if you were looking at it. Z-U-B-R-O-W-K-A. Zubroka. Right, but then there is an accent on the O, uh, something over the Z, so. There's a lot of lines and dots. <clears throat> yeah. This one's got a picture of a buffalo on it, so you know it's really legit. <laughs> it's got real bits of buffalo, so you know it's good. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> a little bit of buffalo. This one, it's, this one actually came from Poland, and so it's still got, like, the stamp tax on the top. Like, oh, you know, nice. how they, sometimes they put the band over it, and that's all in Polish. Ah, wow. That's kind of cool. So I'll probably end up keeping really? this bottle after that. Nice. Yeah, just just cool. pour some Tito's in there after. Who's going to know? Yeah, I can put like a highlighter in it too and put it under a black light. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So how'd you wind up getting that? Who, who sent that to you? So I had to go to Romania for work. And um, actually, like the story starts a little bit before that. And I, I work with this guy and, you know, my last name is uh, very Polish sounding. And he, when he saw it immediately, he was like, Oh, he's Mr. Poland. And he's telling me about <laughs> Jabrówka and how you got to have it with apple juice. And I'm like, I've never heard of this stuff. He's like, yeah, Jabrówka. He didn't tell me it was just vodka. So you drink that when they're little in school? Like, I, I, I think so. 
And uh, so I, I'm in Romania and there's this Polish woman who's working at the place that I'm, I'm visiting. And, you know, as soon as I found out that she's from Poland, I had to, you know, show off my, my expert knowledge of Poland and say, ah, Zabrówka. And she's like, oh, yeah. And then she started talking about it. And she, um, she said, oh, give me your address and I'll send you a bottle. And I was like, all right, cool. And six months later, I opened my door and there's like a package sitting there and it's got all kinds of, you know, weird stamps and stuff on it. And I'm like, Where the, what the hell is this? I don't remember ordering anything. <laughs> and I open it and there's another wooden box and I'm like, oh man, I'm getting, getting like Unabombered or something. And then <laughs> or something like that. I open that and it's like this, I'm like, who the hell sent me a bottle of vodka? It looks like. And so I had to, it took me a minute to put you know, two and two together. But I was like, oh, that's awesome. This person I met for a couple hours, like actually followed through on something. So nice. Yeah. You know, you're telling that story and you said six months later, I knock on the door and I'm like, oh, no, good thing it wasn't nine, nine months. months later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you <have> a- <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't Seven be answering that door. <laughs> Hi, Papa. <laughs> I would really need a bottle of Shabrushka then. I brought you a gift. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So Mario, what are you are you drinking anything very exciting here? Or? I'm drinking a Bow's Point Scalp and just a regular old IPA. Uh, just to finish things off. Nothing nothing ordinary about that. It's a it's a fine I like it. fine beverage. I like my sculpin. It's got a fish on it. Yeah. It's a sculpin with a fish. It's fish fish flavored. That's Delicious. So now we talked last week about that morning recovery drink. Yes. Now I'm very interested to hear about this. You actually tried it out. I tried it out and I tell you what, I've been celebrating a lot uh, before the move. So (laughs) I really did need this and I, I had it when I, you're supposed to have it before you go to bed. Yeah. So it was pretty amazing that I remembered to have it, but I think I put it in the fridge where I I could see it when I got home and uh, I was like, all right, yeah, let me drink that too. So I drank it, tasted a little bit like, like cola syrup and like vitamins or something in it. Mm. It wasn't gross. It was, it was just weird. Like I was just like, I drank it. I just chugged it. It was better. I would imagine better cold. It was, it was pretty cold. And the next day I felt pretty good. I was like, no hangover. Um, still tired. Still the, the other effects, but like hangover. No, nothing. So now when you drank it, how on a scale of one to 10, how banged up were you? I got to say I was probably about a seven or an eight. Okay. I mean, Thanks. I was I was pretty. I did a pretty good job. I've been doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Last, you know, going times I've been going out, but uh. Well, the fact that you remember to drink it is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's why I don't think I was really. Maybe I was more of like a six or seven. Okay. You know. Yeah, that's that's the the one problem with this drink is you got to remember to drink it. Yeah. Before you you know go to sleep. And that's just it. How do you know it really works versus like you know? I, I think they gotta go suppository. That's like. <laughs> <laughs> like a time release suppository. You don't have to keister everything. Just saying. It just makes things a lot easier. It's harder to forget it. <laughs> you know, think about it. So you wait for like middle of the night and you just pop it right in there. That's right. Pop it like it's hot. After like the second drink, you're like, I'm gonna need this. You know? <laughs> Bottle's pretty small. You can just put the whole thing right up there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no muss, no fuss. Oh. Uh, and you're better in the morning. So you should boof it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's. Yeah, I got to talk. What is it like a five-hour energy like? Yeah, shot type of thing. Um, it's a little bit bigger than the five-hour energy. It's probably just like a bottle of Ipecac. Yeah, (laughs) right. Ipecac and and five-hour energy mixed. Yeah. 
Hey, but wouldn't the five hour energy keep you up? Like this is supposed to like let you sleep, but also like heal you while you're sleeping pretty much, right? Yeah. They probably just take one ingredient out. Yeah. The caffeine. The caffeine or whatever. Like a lot of B vitamins probably, right? Like, oh. Isn't that what? Yeah. I think which so. usually, when even those like hangover trucks when it would come and give you the shots, isn't it a lot of it like B vitamins, B12? I think so. B47. I don't know what the numbers are exactly. Should try drinking one when when you haven't been drinking. You probably like wake up and you're like Superman. Oh, I'll be jacked. Lance Armstrong, that yeah. yeah, that's right. I'm gonna have to try that too. See, you gotta test every single version. <laughs> so we have a story uh, about Sam Adams. They are conducting an in-flight beer tasting on a JetBlue flight. Now, this is happening next week aboard JetBlue flight 97. And it will be happening on October 5th around 8 p.m. And onboard passengers will have the opportunity to sample their way through Sam Adams' lineup of beers along with company's founder and president, Jim Cook. Hmm, pretty cool. That is pretty awesome. Beer will be served in flight and will include Sam Adams' well-known Oktoberfest beer, which I think comes out on like 4th of July weekend now, pretty much. Is that when Oktoberfest is released? (laughs) Yeah as well as two unnamed additional beers, which a representative described as, quote, an extreme beer coveted by beer geeks and a new experimental brew, unquote. They have beer that's coveted by beer geeks? They had that triple buck. I remember like back in the day, that was like a big deal. Huh. Um, I'm sure they have something fun and well, cool. They're speculating What's... on what, what it's going to be, right? They're putting our mo- their money on the Mysterious Duo's uh, 29% Utopias and Harvest Hefe Fall Wheat Ale, the brewery introduced last year. That 29% one's the one that comes in the bottle that looks like a, like the brewery. Um, like a growler? No, it looks like oh. there's that beer that comes in. It looks like the giant like copper casks oh, yeah. they use in a brewery. I can't remember what they're called. Like a still, right? Almost or yeah, like a yeah. big still. Yeah, there it is. I think it's Utopia. Damn it! Wow, stupid ass freaking thing. I'm actually looking at a 2005. Look at that! There Utopia's it is. limited edition selling on. Yeah, they're not for they're not cheap. Almost 500 bucks. Wow. That is a really cool bottle. Yeah, it looks like the um, yeah, whatever the uh, they like that blew the beer in the kettle. Yeah, like the work the top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That is really cool. Now I wonder how many of these beers you get to have. You're going like one beer sample, or can Probably you get multiple sample samples? Because I don't know if you guys are aware. Have you ever heard of the uh, the Wade Boggs challenge? No, <laughs> no, but like, I want to. Or like. <laughs> So it's always sunny in Philadelphia kind of did an episode about it. Oh, right. So apparently there was Wade Boggs once told Charlie day, he drank 107 beers on like a cross country flight. Like when he was back, <laughs> back in the day playing <laughs> So on the show, like all like the, the whole crew from it's always sunny. They were trying to do the Wade Boggs challenge <laughs> on the plane <laughs> and it just became a complete nightmare. <laughs> Obviously what a surprise. <laughs> his legendary ability to drink 107 beers yeah 107 beers on a cross-country flight i guess Probably. people have challenged how much it actually is uh they said it's 40 50 70 but wade told charlie it was actually 107 
<laughs> I mean, he must have needed that morning recovery drink after that. Yeah. Yeah. So on that, it's always sunny episode. Wade Boggs was actually on it. And <laughs> so the crew, whenever they were taking, drinking a beer, they're drawing lines on their shirt. So they'd have like, you know, one, two, three, four, and then the slash through it, uh, <laughs> like really? 20 or 30 of them, like on their shirts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so if you haven't seen that, it's a uh, it's worth finding that. I don't know, maybe if Netflix. I think I think Netflix has all the old "It's Always Sunny" episodes. Um, I would highly recommend checking that out because it's pretty damn funny. Right. They're saying the legend is that he once slammed sixty four beers on a flight from Boston to L.A. Oh my God, what's that? Six hours, ten beers an hour? Yeah. God. Yeah, I don't know if that's. that's but were crazy. beers smaller back then? Do they like even carry that much beer on a plane? <laughs> little little baby airplane beers, eighties beers. Yeah, oh, maybe pony little, beers. Pony beers, pony yeah. Beers. Or what was like the weird? Like, they probably like those weird like Bush Light, you know? Which like like what was that? Like three percent in a little pony beer. See, then then I could believe it. Yeah. Then you're talking. I don't want to believe that though. I want to believe Wade Boggs put down like 107, 107. Budweisers, like legit, right. like boom, sixteen ounce buds, pounding them. Yeah. Not sipping, just pounding. Yeah. Wow. So I'm I'm guessing uh, the utopias would not be pounded in such a way. Yeah, I want to give it like a thimbleful to taste, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, seriously, right? Eyedropper. I mean, uh, Dogfish 120 is like, what, 12? No, it's more. It's like probably, I think it's between 15 and 18. They don't even know because they just kind of like. I thought it was 12 or 13. I had two of them when they had it up at uh, Shepherd and the Knucklehead. Yeah. And I tell you what, I was I was pretty, pretty, pretty wasted after that. Yeah, they're pretty, uh, pretty heavy, those beers. One hell of a lunch. Yep. <laughs> I always wonder how they set these kind of things up, like two separate different industries, like Sam Adams and then JetBlue. So some guy from like Sam Adams gets on the phone, calls JetBlue, you know, sits on customer service for four hours, and finally he's like, "Hey, we so we want to uh, sponsor you guys for like a beer flight." And the person just like hangs up, and then he calls back four <laughs> times, like. You know, it's got to be something like the CEO, you know, of like JetBlue is at like his country club and he gets paired up with Jim Cook, the guy from Sam Adams. And they're like, hey man, we should try to get together and do something. Why don't we get uh, a bunch of people wicked hammered on a flight? Your people talk okay. to my people. We'll make this happen. You know, kind of thing. Wicked hammered. <laughs> I wonder if they could do the uh, Wade Boggs challenge on a flight. The Wade Boggs challenge flight. Just everyone has to drink on the flight. Everybody's just getting hammered. That'd have to be like the, that'd have to be the CEO of Keystone. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Keystone. Light. Yeah. Keith Stone, CEO of Keith Stone. <laughs> That's awesome. Everybody's getting hammered. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so if you're on that flight, let us know. That that could be a very interesting event. Let's see how well it goes. It could be in the news too. It could be just a disaster where they're like, yeah, somebody thought it was a good idea having a beer tasting on a flight. Can you believe it? Well, like the story we had last week, hopefully the pilots don't join. It's true, right? One Stella. One Stella. Stop it. Can you imagine just getting on that flight and you had no idea that this was even happening? Yeah, right. You're just like, oh, I really got to, I just really got to get to my meeting. And it's like, you got to do it on a flight going to Utah. I was flying on standby. I didn't know this was going to happen. Flight going to Utah. Yeah. Mm. What's going on with my wives? I never thought this would happen. <laughs> <laughs> it is an 8 p.m. flight at least. So there you go. And what's the fifth? That's a Thursday, right? Fifth? It's a Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. Hmm. Thursday, you're probably taking off Friday, especially if you're going at eight, going all the way, you know. Now, if it's going to Vegas, boom. If it's JFK, well, it's, 
it's going to the it's going to a beer festival, right? In Denver, Remember, it's going to wherever the city of the beer festival oh, is. Oh, that's genius, then. Yeah, is it the Great American Beer Festival? That is. You put in Flight ninety seven. Ouch! The first thing that comes up is Flight ninety three United from nine eleven. That'd be like a really interesting like lost episode. Like the plane goes down, and they got all this beer. Yeah, right. And they don't know where they are because it's just so trash that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the Wade Boggs one. They just drop you off at a different airport, and then you got to find your way home. <laughs> like naked and afraid. That's right. Time's lost. Drunk plus and, beer. Drunk and afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, JFK to Denver. It's about a five-hour flight, four and a half-hour flight. So yeah, yeah. And you get that down there, and you get a big smoke out going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you hit the weed. <laughs> and you hit the weed. All right. So also, while we're still talking about booze, Mario. Um, all right. So there was a uh, Shane Montiero, which I'm just going to say Shane Montero was, uh, you know, like my cousin. Um, he's a brew expert behind uh, New York City's Carmine Street Beers in the West Village. And he gave his recommendations of the five best pumpkin beers this season to drink. Um, a few of these we've heard of, but I think I, I don't think we've had any of them um so let's start with the first one we got the rumpkin by avery brewing company boulder colorado 16.9 percent. so that's like a wow that's a really that's beyond a double well this one they yeah they age it in rum barrels so it's like a pumpkin and spice beer they age in rum barrels so it's supposed a little to rum be, spice in there yeah sounds pretty good yeah i think that the last couple of years that's been in people's you know top top few hmm uh, then there's Rosemary's Other Baby by Two Roads Brewing Company, 9.2%. That's another one, Agent Rum Barrels. And you had the Rosemary's Baby. Had the regular one, yeah, but I haven't had the other baby. And I guess it's pumpkin here. Right? Oh, it's aged It's aged in the same barrels, but for a longer time. Uh, so right. it picks up more oak character than the original. And then there's Pumpkin Sour by Almanac Beer Company, 8.5%. Uh, They're in, out of San Jose. Uh, Cascade Pumpkin Smash from Portland, Oregon, 11.1%. Um, and then Good Gourd by Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida, 9.6%. That's where you're heading. They make my highlight, How man. much you want to bet you're going to be having a great gourd or good gourd by Sunday? Oh, I can, yeah, I could say. Almost that. guarantee that, Almost right? definitely, yes. Yeah. Got to have something while you're watching football. The thing is... The pumpkin anything, you really do need cold weather to enjoy it and appreciate it. You know, like, I mean, crank up the AC. 80-something degrees in Florida drinking a pumpkin beer. Inside you got to, before, before you leave, you got to go outside, get like a trash bag and just collect a bunch of leaves and bring them down there. Then you can like sprinkle them all out, turn the AC wanna, up, and then you'd be all right. If you want to rake my yard, I got plenty of leaves. <laughs> yeah. so there you go. Check them all on the car. Throw them in the back, yeah. Throw them in the back, man. That'd be funny, like you bring them down to Florida and sprinkle them on somebody's lawn, and then they actually have to rake them up. <laughs> they would freak out, wouldn't they? They're like, I don't even have a rake. What, what do I do with this? <laughs> you might get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that city boy with them fancy arm pants spreading out these uh, leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to get my hands on that Rosemary's other baby, though, because I have a uh, family member who works at the Two Roads Brewery up there in Stratford. So. Oh. Hopefully, I can get some of that in the Put next few order. weeks. Put in an order. Be like, hey, can you? I know some people. Is all I got to say you know, up there. You know I know people gal. up there. You know I know a gal. A gal. You know actually. a gal. Yeah. All right. 
So with, with that, with that, let's get into the Ganjula. <laughs> so called the Ganjula, it's not changing. You know, everyone loves a nice little ride in the Ganjula. Hundred episodes of this. Yeah, it's the Ganjula. All right, so Mario, so this is a de- this is dedicated to you, this strain. So why don't you start off with that? All right, so our buddy Frank, thanks Frank, Frank and Beans, um, said uh, this is for me. Uh, so it's basically this mysterious train, uh, supposedly from somewhere in Florida, originally called Triangle, uh, is aptly named because um, it's covered with so many white trichomes that the buds look like they were rolled in confectioner sugar. So while it looks like an OG in structure and certainly has the potency associated with the best OG Kush cuts, it has little of the smell or flavor found in the West Coast favorites. So in fact, it's, it's actually known for the distinct lack of odor and flavor, um, leaving some to pass it over in favor of more pungent varieties. But I'm just thinking this is a little more covert. That's what I'm thinking. Can't smell it. Yeah, you look at it. it looks, the picture on Leafly is kind of, yeah, it looks almost like a, a fake Christmas tree. It One of those like, like white Christmas trees. It's the snow weed. It is. Well, it's called the white. The white. It's like a white walker weed. Like a white walker. <laughs> this is with white walker smoke before they it's go out. Make and you fight. into a white walker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turn into a zombie. Um, yeah. So they say in the effects of uh, high on the happy and relaxed and euphoric, medium on the hungry and sleepy. Um, medically, they're saying high for uh, pain, stress, insomnia, and lack of appetite. And medium for nausea, so it treats a lot of good stuff. And then the negatives, high on the dizzy and dry mouth, medium on the dry eyes, and low on the paranoid and anxious. So I love the review comment that was, I forgot who made it, but um, it said, this shit made me forget my password. (laughs) 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 Says it all. That would be uh, Jalobi. Jalalobi. Jalalobi. On Leafly, <laughs> get my password. That's all you need to say. <laughs> Obviously, you're at work after doing this. Maybe. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't get into my computer yet, man. <laughs> so this was a pretty crazy story that broke yesterday, and the title of the article is "On His Way to Beard Growing Finals, He Gets Busted for Dealing Drugs on the Dark Web." Which, yes, that's actually what happened. A dude was going to the Beard Growing Championships in Austin, Texas. Championships. Championships. Not the regional, not the semi. Championships. That's right. This was like dodgeball, like on the Ocho (laughs) in Vegas. On the Ocho. The final tournament, yeah. Um, Final table. Gal, Gal, yeah. Final table of beards. Gal Valerius, he's a modern version of a cartel king operating anonymously as a lord of the internet's dark web bazaar where buyers and sellers conduct cocaine, fentanyl, meth, LSD, and Oxycontin deals in the virtual currency Bitcoin. Valerius, 38, recently made the mistake of traveling from his base in France to Texas to compete in a world beard-growing <laughs> championship in Austin. After arriving on August 31st in Atlanta, the brown-bearded Valerius was arrested by U.S. authorities on a distribution complaint filed in Miami federal court. Wow. So I like how they, I like how they make him sound like a bond villain, his base in France. You know? <laughs> his base. It was his, an apartment outside yeah. of Paris. Yeah. Beard <laughs> base in France. Um, it goes on to say, so the, the border search of his laptop upon arrival, at the airport confirms identity as quote, oxy monster 
according to the DEA affidavit. His laptop contained the Tor browser, which allows users to conceal their true internet protocol addresses on the network, his login credential for Dream Market, an eBay-type marketplace for illegal narcotics, and drug paraphernalia, um, and also $500,000 worth of Bitcoin. Damn. Um, he chose not to contest his identity and detention at a court hearing in Atlanta. His defense attorney there could not be reached for comment. He is soon expected to be transferred to Miami to face a new conspiracy indictment that carries up to a life in, in prison. Damn. Oof. So he was like the administrator of this dream market, which is kind of the reason why he, they're, uh, they're throwing the book at him. Because God knows the government hates competition. <laughs> and that's what this dude is. That's crazy. Oxy monster. Oh my God. Dude, the, the beard grow, growing thing is just right in there. All because the, he went to the beard growing competition. I mean, everybody's got to have hobbies. You know? But do you think maybe the whole reason the beard like championship even exists is they're just bringing people from all over the world who they think are suspects in something? That could be. They're just rounding people up. They're beard profiling. They're beard profiling. I don't like this one bit. Not one bit. Not in my America. Are you going to arrest him? <laughs> Not in my America. <laughs> That's crazy though that the uh about the searching the the laptop at the border though. Yeah. And um, they found all the stuff too. It's like why wasn't that bitcoin in cold storage? This guy's a moron. He deserves to get caught. I mean, yeah, if he could figure out how to if he could figure out how to become a kingpin of the dark web, you think he would have like encrypted his stuff a little bit better. Yeah, seriously. You would have thought he would have read American Kingpin at least. Right? <laughs> about Russ Ulbricht, the uh Yeah. Alleged Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. Could have alert, uh, learned a lot from that. Yeah. Yeah, this was, uh, this was a rough way to go. You know, he was a little bit too cocky. Wanted to get that beard. He wanted to win a trophy. So what happens when he leaves his base in France? His base. His <laughs> <mayor>. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a castle up in like the, the Alps someplace, and he, he has to like paraglide down from it to visit <laughs> everybody else. Oh, yes. We know Mr. Beardman up in the mountains over there. <laughs> Yeah. Crazy, man. Yep. All right, next. All right, Kevin, you want to take this one? <laughs> Sounds like right is a good one for you. The man getting rescued from the mountain. <laughs> they're getting too high to walk. Yep. <laughs> yes. Wow. All right. I, yeah, I can do this one. So this kind of goes, this, this might be like counter to what you guys were saying before. The last time I was on, you were like, oh, like, let's just blow all the, like, the weed smoke up the mountain. Well, there, there could be a little ram, some ramifications to that because uh, apparently these four men got extremely stoned and then stranded uh, on, was that, Scafell? Scafell Pike. Pike this weekend. Um, the four men had to be rescued from England's highest mountain this weekend after becoming, quote, incapable of walking due to cannabis use, as the local wow. police force put it. Damn. Wow, the police had to go up to a 3,200-foot uh, mountain in the Lake District, uh, and they worked with a mountain rescue team to get these very stoned men to safety by 9.45 p.m. Yeah. It took them three hours and 15 minutes to get some stone dudes off of a mountain. I think 3,000-foot mountain is the tallest mountain in England. Come on, man. So we're up there, mate. I think Jersey's got a taller mountain than that, don't we? Yeah. Isn't like High Point higher than that? Camelback's probably that big. I think so, right? 
Oh man, so high they could not walk. Yeah, they, um, they think that they needed a mountain rescue team. So, well, then I, this mountain rescue team must be just sitting around for like years waiting to do something. So, literally, Camelback. Oh no, it's a different Camelback. Yeah, I gotta look this up now too. I want to see how I want to see pictures of this place. Thirty-two hundred and ten foot mountain. Now, is it really the weed, or is it the fact that they just probably got paranoid and just just sat there? Well, I mean, part of the problem could be they're just wusses and they can't handle their weed. You know, that could be a problem. Oh, well, they it was also intoxicated. That's, who yeah. knows? If that's true. You know what it was? Is it's six thirty at night? I bet it was starting to get dark. You don't yeah. want to be stuck on the top of a mountain when it's dark. If you're not like these guys are probably like, oh, I'm gonna walk up there, and you know they probably didn't have like flashlights or gear or anything. They're probably just hanging out. That three thousand foot mountain in August. You guys gonna be a movie about that? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> alive ish. Alive ish. They're they're probably looking for all that gold from that author. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right. right. They're like, should we start eating each other, mate? We've been there for 20 minutes. <laughs> you had too much weed. Uh, that's actually pretty legit. Yeah. Camelback Mountain Resort it. is like 2,100 feet. Okay. So it's Camelback and a half. Camelback and a half. Plankton. 4,000? They got too damn high. I want to see a picture of these guys. Is there a picture on them? Uh, they'd be way too embarrassed to show pictures of themselves. They should be embarrassed. And, you know, they may have gotten crappy weed. Maybe it was laced with something. You know? It's the UK. I don't know. You know they could have put, like, cat turds in there with it. Cat and they're smoking cat turds. Smoking cat doogie in there. Who knows? That's, and see, that's the, one of the beautiful things about legalization is that you know what you're getting. You know, it's been you know, inspected. It's been stamped. And you're not going to get cat turds. It's another big positive to legalization. Cat turd weed. Maybe there was a uh, crack in it. You never know. Fentanyl crack. <laughs> Maybe they found some stuff at um the beard guy's lair. Maybe they, they found stole it in it. his beard and they took it in out. In his beard, yeah. You never know. He kept his weed in his beard. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so that was a good one. Thanks for that, Kev. Was yeah, that? no problem. <laughs> and now let's go to ski news. Finally, finally, the our meat and potatoes. Got a lot going on this week. Yeah. All right. So let's start off with the ski news. So the uh, the battle rages on again this year, as it does every year. Arapahoe Basin and Loveland to see snow all week. They're gunning for the earliest opening ever. Wow. Loveland currently owns the earliest opening ever, which was September 30th, 1951. A Basin has the second, which is... October 6th, 2009. Um, but both of them are blowing snow this week and they're hoping to potentially open within the next couple of days. Um, Loveland's yes. actually gunning for this Saturday. That would be to open up September 30th, right? Well, I think it's n- yeah, next Saturday. Um, next Saturday not this yeah, so they're saying A Basin could open by Thursday of next week. They'll have a new record for them. As for oh, so as for Loveland, they would need to open by this upcoming Saturday, um, in order to tie their previous record. Hmm. So, uh, both that's of them, crazy. Yeah, it's so great how every year they they do this to try to see who opens up first. That's why it's pretty funny. Um, you said the chances are slim, but um, there is a chance. 
but it's, it's, it's weird. Is it's like, I've been like, you know, looking through Instagram and I like every once in a while I'm, I'm seeing like pictures of snow and I'm like, Oh, that must be like New Zealand or, you know, someplace <laughs> South. And then I'm looking at, it's like Jackson hole, eight inches. Like they're digging out Corbett's cabin. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they uh, there a lot of places this past week got it. You know, Montana, California, Washington, Oregon. My yeah, sister's people, in Utah right now, and she was showing me pictures. Yeah, there's there's a nice cover. Awesome. There's people getting turns out there. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. yeah. So next up, leading right into that, there's a winter weather advisory issued for Telluride, Crested Butte, and Aspen. They're forecasting eight inches for the higher elevations. So they're saying a uh, large low pressure system that's around is uh in the in the San Juans is uh gonna dump some nice fresh snow. Uh Elk Mountains they're also saying are gonna get uh some uh snow along with Crested Butte and Aspen. Uh they're gonna get between two and six. So um it's kind of a new trend of uh of this La Nina, El Nino stuff that's coming in. So you know I think that um I think th- I'm trying to remember because like I went out for the avalanche class out there and I think locals do not like it when this happens. Oh really? Why yeah. Because if, early? if you get snow early and then it warms up and then things start and then like, so this like you get snow and then it doesn't stay consistent and then you put like new snow on top of it. It makes a very unstable like base interface to the ground. So um, like, like it could be a bad, that could be a bad thing for avalanches later in the year. If it all melts and everything goes away, that's one thing. But if it like kind of gets shitty for a little bit and then you put more snow on top of it, like it makes it really bad for avalanches. Where you get like a layer of ice that can slide. Yeah. Everything above it slide off. I think, yeah, I'm trying to remember, but I should, I should know this since I took this class, but I can't, it's, yeah, I remember them saying something. It's like they, they'd rather the snow start later and be consistent than early and be spotty, like have a little bit now and then not have it for a little bit. And then. It's hmm. almost like a, like, I guess too, with when it, when it falls and then it thaws and then it refreezes, you know, it's almost like the, um, you're not getting a flat, consistent, base either you know it's almost like tetris you know you have some funky shapes and yeah you can get some air pockets in there and that yeah, it gets, it gets faceted and it gets weird yeah it can get unstable and kind of craggy so that, that makes a lot of sense yeah wow so if it's going to keep snow if it's going to snow like this it's got to keep up i think is is the, is the moral of the story I'll go with that idea yeah the challenge has <laughs> been made yeah weather are you up to it bring it mother nature that's right <laughs> All right, and also, you know, sticking to Colorado, and as we've been kind of talking about, Silverton is claiming the first lift serve turns of winter 2017-2018. Rocky Mountain first chair bragging rights were claimed Sunday when the folks at Silverton Mountain fired up the old double-seater to allow their team of pow-hungry patrollers a shot at the upper mountain's freshly accumulated snow. Nice. In a press release sent to TGR Monday, Silverton co-owner Jen Brill heralded the first powder shots fired of the 2017-2018 winter (laughs) season with some very eager mountain operations personnel firing up their iconic chairlift to harvest the goods. Winter is here with fresh snow today at Silverton Mountain, Brill wrote in the release. The most recent low-pressure system dropped enough snow on the slopes for some very eager Silverton Mountain ski and snowboard patrollers to get their first turns of the season. The patrollers could not resist the opportunity 
to make some turns on the upper mountain as they celebrated the start of the season. That is a beautiful thing. That um, is the highest ski area in North America at 13,487 feet. Nice. That's news to me. I didn't realize that. And they have like one lift, right? And you hike. I think so. Yeah, is that their claim to fame? Is it like they only have one lift? Yeah. The ski club went, I didn't go. Uh, when we went to Telluride, they took a side trip. It was like a 45-minute uh, bus ride. And then they uh, there's one lift, and then you hike basically all day. That's what you're doing. You're doing the lift and then hiking to different pe- peaks and just getting fresh tracks everywhere. That and sounds everywhere. awesome. Yeah, we were talking about this summer. They're adding that new um, – is it the Hello Service? Or is it, there was a lift, there was also the Hello Service, wasn't it? They I were adding? I think so. They added another, uh, another lift or extended lift. And then, yeah. Uh, heli, heli skiing. But yeah, they get dumped on with snow too. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool stuff. And then we had one other final story, which was not listed on our original outline that we're using. And then I'm trying to dig up. Ski Magazine had just, uh, put in the results of their latest survey and they had the top 10 ski areas in the East. So I am pulling that up right now. This is the wrong one. I think there's only 10, isn't there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's 13. Oh, I'm sure the one in Tennessee is number two, right? Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg. (laughs) Uh, Number 10, Loon Mountain in New Hampshire. Number nine, Okemo in Vermont. Number eight, Stowe in Vermont. Number seven, Sugarloaf in Maine. Number six, Mad River Glen in Vermont. Number five, Jay Peak in Vermont. Number four, Tremblant in Quebec. Number three, Mount Snow in Vermont. Number two, Sugarbush in Vermont. Be counting. Number one, no. Smuggler's Notch in Vermont. Wow. Make the top ten. Killington did not make the list. Wow. I really think Jay Peak needs to be further up that list. Yeah. Well, that I'm was the price Trump want. Is that Ski high? Magazine yeah. readers. This is top resorts. So I don't know if that, uh, if the criteria is, you know, like there's actually, you know, all the, like the villages. But then, and, but then you would think Killington would really be on there if it's like resort wise. You would think so, right? Hmm. Yeah. I guess ski, ski magazine readers don't like Killington. It's quite possible, yeah. We so have to write that. a strongly worded letter and say, how did you come up to these? Who are the ad wizards who came up with this one? Yeah. So they also have the top 10 ski areas in the West. So let's see if we agree with these. Number 10, Whitefish Mountain Resort in Montana. Number 9, Beaver Creek in Colorado. Number 8, Aspen Highlands in Colorado. Number seven, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Number six, Vail, Colorado. Number five, Telluride, Colorado. Number four, Snowmass, Colorado. Number three, Whistler Blackcomb, British Columbia. Number two, Sun Valley, Idaho. And what are we guessing for number one? Somewhere in Utah, maybe? I was thinking someplace in California, maybe? Deer Valley, Utah. Oh, wow. Wow. I don't agree with any of this stuff. No. I know. I, I think, I mean, I haven't been to a, a lot of those places, but Whistler's got to be higher than, than that, I think. Uh, at least higher than Deer Valley. Jackson's yeah. got to be higher it, than that. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. That's the other thing. Jackson's got to be up there. Five? Oof. Yeah, I would put 
I mean, personally, I would put Telluride, Jackson, Whistler, one, two, three. Again, that's just me. But, yeah, uh, they must have been just talking about, like, all the amenities and, you know, you can get your freaking feet warmed up in a hut or something. I don't know. I I would like to find the criteria that they used. It says they polled its readers to determine the top ski resorts in the American West. So they polled their readers. So I guess, you know, every one of the ski magazines has a different audience that, you know, that they're going after. Uh, I'm sure like Powder Magazine would have very different results than Ski Magazine. Have different results than Skiing Magazine. Have different results than Free Skier Magazine. You know, they're all... They all have, you know, a different audience they're catering to. I think Ski Magazine is kind of more towards, like, families. Um, maybe a little more, like, resort-oriented skiing. So, you know, I these these results must make sense then, you know. If, if that's, I'd expect Jackson to be, like, not even on that list. That place, I don't think, is family-friendly at all. <laughs> that's true. There are greens somewhere. I have no idea where they were. Yeah. They're somewhere. Uh, that's, that's odd. I, whenever I see these lists, I'm like, I don't know who's coming up with these things, but yeah. Huh. According to Ski Magazine, it embraces skiers of all attitudes and abilities, der- delivering the action of the world's most exciting sport without any of the arrogance. Hot <laughs> trends, the best gear, expert instruction, insider advice on mountain destinations, and looking to reach lifelong skiers and sophisticated travelers. Mm. Yeah, can you really ha- doesn't tell me. Can you have skiers without arrogance? Like, I think that goes like hand in hand. Pretty much, yeah. Well, it's lifelong skiers and sophisticated travelers. So maybe they don't even ski, they just travel. I'm just saying. That's like the, uh, yeah, we know we know plenty of people who, who are very sophisticated and they're traveling yeah. that don't do much skiing, even, they go on, even though they're going on ski trips. Well, some people go to Telluride in the summer or Jackson in the summer. You know what I mean? Yeah, but this is, they're actually I'm just saying, they're talking ski resorts. I wonder if it's like just brand recognition. They're like, uh, name, name 10 resorts. And you're like, um, yeah, you know, true. which are the ones that I see the most advertising for? Yeah. I'm surprised whitefish even made it at all. Then I've never even heard of that place. Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard of whitefish. It's yeah. Supposed to be pretty good. But I think with the, um, one of the Warren Miller movies recently, I think was out there in whitefish where they were giving a trip away out there. Something like that. But yeah, so that's Ski Magazine, and that's what they're naming as their top ten resorts in uh, the East and West. So, well, even if you don't like it, you're still talking about it. So they've succeeded. That's true. You know, marketing. We personally, <laughs> I do not subscribe to Ski Magazine. I'll admit it. Uh, more of a oh, I I got like a two dollar subscription. Oh, do well. There you go. Boom. I'm a powder guy. That's that's my <laughs> magazine of choice. You know, I don't have anything against Ski Magazine. I think it's fine. I'll read it, but I don't. I don't subscribe to it. So I was not part of the poll. You're not a reader. I'm not a reader. What you reading for? What you reading for? You guys should do a poll. We should do a poll. Yeah. Let's pull it up. We have to pull it up. I'm writing this down. I like that. Write it down. Get, get the socials going. Yeah. Get. On Pinterest, we're going to put gonna, this. I think I'm going to just throw one out on SurveyMonkey and see. Or uh, Facebook, we could do one. Yeah. Yeah. Do a poll of the uh, favorite... Favorite ski resorts. And then we can, you guys can compare it to this thing and be like, see, see where your listeners lie. I think we're going to have very strict criteria too as to what, what we, you know, what should be focused on in terms of a resort. Or then we should put it out there. I'd be like, okay, listeners, what do you like? 
what what matters to you in a resort? Because I think, you know, when you start seeing the results, you can kind of tell what people, what matters to them. Yes. Yeah, maybe like a poll, like before every uh, podcast or something, you could be like, what matters to you? And then you could be like, rank the best snow, the best terrain, the best, I don't know, boot waxing place. I don't know. Boot waxing. Hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, right. and I think, you know what? And it's amazing what you can learn too. Some people, you know, have been reaching out to us and you know asking us about like you know places in the Midwest. You know, they they're like, oh, well, this is where I learned to ski, and it's actually you know I wouldn't recommend taking a trip out here for a week, but it's actually like a great place to to if learn. And if you're around the area, right? Yeah, it's one of those things. Because again, it's easy to to just completely overlook these places, but there's some a lot of great places all over the country in the u.s canada well let's just say if you're taking a week off and you're going on a on a vacation you're you're going to some of the the bigger resorts that you know you're going to have a really good time for seven days you know it's got to be worth your your while yeah yeah and what's nice too is you go to you know like some of these bigger ones like a whistler or you know if you don't want to ski for a day there's so many other things you can do you know you can go bobsledding and go to the spa snowmobile snowmobile you know there's things you can do and that's important to some people jackson you can go like elk hunting <laughs> yeah catch a buffalo cook it up cook it up mm-hmm. all, right. all right that wraps up the ski news for the week so now it's on to our main topic yes and our main topic this week is 100 100 that's all that's that's enough of a main topic right there 100 we have made it 100 episodes it has been a crazy journey you know this all just started out because we did that you know we we took a week off we were calling it our, our ski bum week and this was back in 2014 it's the first ski bum week that the we ever first started. ski bum week we were you know so we up to three now right we did that share house up at killington and we just you know we just figured like let's just go for a whole week and see what it would be like living this life for a whole week, you know, for what the, you're getting a little dose of ski bum lifestyle. And, you know, we, uh, obviously we fell in love with it enough and we just started like chatting one morning. We're like, we started talking about random topics. We're like, we should just record this and do a podcast out of it and wrap some ski information around it. And then other people told us the same thing. And we, we're like, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. We waited about two or three months to make it happen until we did another trip and then had a good, base for fodder and then just started running with it. I mean, it was very disjointed at first. We didn't have any real equipment. Um, we were just recording off my laptop at that point. No microphones, no anything. And well, I think we went into it also like trying to, with the idea we're going to learn how to create a podcast and develop it. And I think we've, we've moved, we've gone a long way. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and it's been kind of a cool ride. You know, the, the best thing is is just actually having people like reach out to us, whether it's, you know, on social or on emails. Like people actually do like reach out and, you know, like ask us questions or give us some tips, advice, or, you know, it's uh it's cool because like, you never know like when you put something out there if anyone's really listening or checking it out. And you know, I've always been kind of hesitant to even look at the stats too much because I'm always like, ah. Oh, it's a zero i'm just I, I can't i can't deal with that that ego crush so but yeah just getting the feedback and stuff and even like reaching out to people people in the ski industry or you know we've reached out to people in other industries that we talked about like we mentioned uh one of the stories last week during the, the hurricane relief was 
uh, the one cryptocurrency, Pinkcoin, they were putting together a you know a bunch of uh, donations to send to you know the victims of Hurricane Harvey and Maria. And I tweeted out at them and they like responded. They're like, oh, thank you so much for mentioning it. Like they favorited our tweets and they like responded back to us. They're like, you guys sound great on the podcast. Keep it up. So it's just, it's cool that people are that, you know, that positive about, you know, us kind of throwing this out there and, and trying to make something happen. You know, people respect the, uh, the effort, you know, just, just doing it, you know, because a lot of people talk about doing things and then they never really get to it. And we've used it also to make good connections. Like, you know, Jesse from Warren Miller, she sends us tickets the last few years mm -hmm. to the Warren Miller, uh, you know, movie. Um, our buddy Derek at the at the ski shop, mm -hmm. uh, he's reached out to us a bunch of times. He's given us tours of ski. Like, so we would never even talk to these people or, or had these experiences, you know, gone to the, you know, cannabis conference at, at the Javits Center. Yeah. We would have never done any of this, like, without this podcast. So it's kind of nice to get into that. Um, and then also bringing friends of ours in, like, you know, we got Kevin on now who he went to Japan, he's run a bunch of trips, he's traveled. So it's kind of nice to include that in the podcast and, and just, I don't know, just develop, uh, you know, maybe deeper friendships and, and just kind of just learn a little bit more about the people around us, you know? Yeah, it's, it's cool. And you know, that's the more we reach out to people and the more we kind of you know, talk to people, the more responsive they are too. You know, like, you know, uh, I reached out to that dude, our friend, now Fred Rich at All About Apre. You know, he lives in the town next, the next town over from where I just moved to. Like, I would never have known that. But, you know, we started chatting and uh, we're, uh, we're starting to hang out once in a while, trying to do some, you know, some cross marketing going on. He's got a cool line of like shirts and he does a bunch of writing and um, just trying to work with other people in the industry because, you know, everyone's, everyone is doing this because they love skiing. You know, and the, you know, the more people you can kind of surround yourself that love doing what you love doing, you know, the, the more cool things that can come from it. So, you know, it is fun getting people on here. It's, it was great getting, you know, Kev's information from the, from Japan and getting them on here again. And we've had John on here talking about how to like get a, use your IRA to buy like 401k to buy property, buy property. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's uh there's so many cool people that we know who have like, a lot of great information and cool stories and, and just, you know, knowledge that, you know, other people might find interesting. So, yeah. you know, we really haven't, I feel like we haven't pressed the gas pedal too hard no. on this. Like, I think we really, there's a lot more we can do. Well, I think and, we've had pretty busy lives. I know in the last few months, but like just in general, it's like, we're, this is definitely like a, a part-time hobby job yeah. for us. And it's, it's it's tough to do. I mean, that's one of the learning things we got out of this. I think we realized how much time and effort you have to put into it. Mm -hmm. This is why a lot of people don't do it, you know, at least not for 100 episodes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's really true. And, you know, a lot of people who do have, like, really famous podcasts and make, you know, make it their living, they, they had something else they did beforehand. Right. You know, like someone like Joe Rogan, you know, he's got millions of downloads every episode, but you know, he was, he's the UFC guy. He was on Fear Factor. He was a stand-up comedian. So he's got like a, a, a huge fan base to start with. Well, we're and, just too dumb people to help him out. You know, like he pays people to help him out the show. We're not paying everybody, you know, like, yeah, we're doing the show by ourselves. You know, we don't have a sound guy or a studio. Like, you know, oh, like, we got my, wait a minute. Station. I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Don't oh, worry about forget it. it. I'm hanging out. I'm out of here. Look for a box and that's six months coming to your door. That, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there better be some Johnny Black in there. <laughs> we're we're going to pay you in booze that comes in uh, a wooden box. That's right. 
So, uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's good. And, and you know, I don't think we're going to stop, but I think we like just the connections that we've made and, and just having that outlet to to kind of just shoot the shit. Yeah, and even like some of the stories that we find, you know, like, I mean, we're not here getting baked on all our, our beans of the week every week. You know, I wish we were. I wish we were in a place that we could make that happen. But, you know, it's just stuff where we find interesting and like talking about it and, you know, the, the different... We, like we have a friend that smoked crack by accident. Like that was a great we story. We have a friend who smoked <laughs> crack by accident. Like, you know, you can't make these people up. It's great stories. Yeah. I great mean, we times. are legit drinking these booze. Whatever booze we talk about, we are drinking that legit. So yeah. we're not trying to be posers or anything. But like all the... You know, the cannabis stuff, it is a part of, of ski culture and, and we are we, we embrace it when in a place where it's legal, of course. And uh, you know, it's just it's it's fun doing the research to find all these stories too. Right. You know, because there is so much just crap and and sad, negative, fake, awful news out there. You know, we want to be a place where people can come and find some cool, offbeat, interesting stories that are mostly ski related, you know, skiing or kind of two or three degrees away from skiing you know and uh i think we're doing a good job i think we're having you know we're having fun doing it and we're we're hoping that you know people who do listen or check it out kind of get that vibe that we do care and that we do do this out of uh, it is a labor of love and that you know people are on board and, and enjoy checking it out too and like somebody like kevin it'd be nice to like be able to reach out and like hey kevin you want to do a, a- a show this this week you know it's kind of like we had steve john like every once in a while we bring other people in it's, it's kind of nice adds a little dynamic to it it is nice yeah because you get a different a different vibe with three people instead of two you know yeah. you get a it, it definitely changes the uh the, the structure and the yeah the vibe of the conversation but it's good you know because you, you don't want the exact same thing every time and it's a ton of fun I love this. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, great I love talking on. about skiing. And you know what? I think it, 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 the people around me are probably sick of hearing it. So it's like nice to talk to people who want to hear about this kind of stuff. Definitely. Right. What I loved about the last uh, ski club meeting is it was last week. And that was probably the first one that I'd gone to in a long time. And it was after, you know, Kevin, uh, I think, what was it like? Probably like a month, month and a half since uh, you did that, that one episode with us on, on Japan. And there was like three or four people that came up to me and said, oh, I heard Kevin on the, uh, be cool. I listened to the rest of it too. And I'm like, that's pretty neat, you know? <laughs> so I actually listened to that episode at least two times, two or three times because like, by the end, we were all just like <laughs> laughing our asses off. Like we were just, it was just getting like so ridiculous. It was great. You know, like that's, Giddy that's fun. cool. Yeah. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> so for future plans, I think we're going to do more of the same, try to do more. Yeah, it's going to be different now, though. Things have things have definitely changed in the uh, in the old bums' lives. So, so Mario, you're actually currently en route to your new new home destination, your new like home today, base. Today, I'm in like I don't have an apartment in Jersey anymore. Yeah, like I'm I left that, so I'm bumming with uh, I'm couch surfing <laughs> tonight with uh, with Brian and and his wife Andrea. They're they're putting me up, and uh, little baby Benjamin's probably going to keep me up too, which is fine. And then tomorrow I'll continue <laughs> on my journey. Yeah. And there'll be some Instagram postings of breweries potentially and bar rest crawling. areas. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> One of the finest rest areas. Finest rest on areas. the eastern seaboard. Uh and then uh maybe some uh, bar- pub crawl by bike. That's another thing on the agenda. So, you know, it'll be a nice little trip and then it's definitely gonna change things though. I'll be in Tampa. Yeah. You know, it's Florida. Florida. Yeah. 
and you've moved, so you're down here. I moved. I've I'm actually I'm embracing the shore lifestyle, man. I'm really digging the vibe down here. You know, you know, there, there's definitely Hoboken is a great town, and it's a lot of fun, and it, it's it's great. But after a while, it just kind of wears you down and wears you out. Um, so yeah, I'm living down the shore now, and. I don't want to work anymore. Like I know that for a fact, like I would love to do this in the summer and then just be in the mountains all winter. That would be like the perfect lifestyle. And that's kind of, I'm trying to formulate a plan to, to do that over the next couple of years. You know, it's my dad says I'm an idiot and I can't do it. And I'll be like, I'll show you dad. That's more reason to do it. I'll show you dad. Um, but yeah, it's, you know what? It is fun. And I want to, like, I love doing this. And you know, one of the things we, uh, we brought up last week and one of our, our new friends who wrote into us, um, he is, uh, hang on one sec. Um, so last week, one of the, the topics Cameron. that we, uh, we, uh, we brought up was this new website, which is called, uh, ski jobs. It is a ski resort jobs.org. And, um, our new friend guard wrote us a, an email. So really appreciate that. And, yeah, their website actually it lists all different ski resort jobs. I mean, from you know marketing to lift operators to you know snowcat operators, and we were talking about it. And I was doing some research, and I was looking at a what is required to be a snowcat operator. And there's like a 32 hour course you have to take, and there's a couple spots that they do it out in Colorado. And I was like, how cool would it be to do a whole podcast like just go do that class for like the four day class and kind of do a podcast about it. You know, I mean, I doubt I'm ever going to be a snowcat driver full time. Never know. You know, I looked at what they get per hour. It's like 13 to 15 bucks. And, uh, there's a ski instructor and guide position open in Japan. If you want, that's what we were talking about last week. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So Kev, yeah, if but, you want to go back to Japan. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down, but I was going to say like, what do you, like when you when you make a, a million bucks off of this podcast, you can just buy your own snowcat and you'd be fully trained for it. You could drive that, it wherever the hell you want. That would be my daily driver. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to do a, a podcast, video podcast from the snowcat as Brian's driving us to get fresh drops in. Well, the thing yeah. I really want to do is I want to be the biggest asshole ever. I want to get like a a Lamborghini Huracan and put those like the snow the snow tracks on there. You know. And then hang truck nuts off the back of it. Like the tank treads? Like, I want to get those for the Lambo. For the Lambo. Just be that guy. Like, there's a Lambo parked in the front spot with those freaking tank treads. Yeah, that's it's, mine, bro. It's good, to, it's good to have goals. Right? You got to aim yeah. high. Got to aim high. So maybe I'll have a used Countach with snow tires. You know, that's where you land. And a Seaside Heights bumper sticker, right? Oof. <laughs> DJs? DJs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Keeping it real. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, I think, like, things like that would be, I think, really cool podcast fodder that, at this moment, are not possible, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, we've talked about it in the past, like, why not be, like, the Anthony Bourdain's of the ski industry, you know, go tr- go to different places and have weird, different ski town experiences. Did you ever watch that show, Insomniac, yeah. with David Tell, back in, like, the early 2000s? Yeah. We just get hammered in different towns <laughs> and then go, like, do things that they do in those towns? Dude, that's, like, every day for me. Except it's in different areas in Passaic County, New Jersey. That's right. Very different. But yeah, like I remember he went to Salt Lake City and he was like, they had that's it was back when you had like a sponsor to go drinking. 
because it was pre-Olympics. Yeah. Because when the Olympics came in in 2002, Utah changed a lot of their laws to make them more reasonable for normal human beings for uh, drinking. Less silly? Yeah. Mm. You think they're bad now? They're way better than they were in 2001. I think they're ridiculous now. Yeah. You'd have a sponsor to go drinking. I love the story about the bootlegger that was our waiter. Remember that? That guy sucked. But he said he got a he got charged with bootlegging because he bought keg beer in Montana and then brought it back in to, to Utah. Utah. Mm -hmm. And it was it, it's illegal to have a keg. So he got uh, a charge of bootlegging. So technically he's a bootlegger. Yeah. See, that could be another one of our goals. We could maybe run for a cab like a senator or congressman position in Utah. Like I that could be you, our goal. I thought you were going to say we could run kegs of Math? beer from Montana into Utah. <laughs> that, we could do that too. Just get a truck. Why be not? A, it'd be like a very Hunter S. Thompson thing to do. Right? Yeah. It'd be like the beer baron episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Distribute it. We won't even charge people. Here you go. Here's keg beer. Hyper, those people. Hyperloop. Be like the footloose of beer distribution. Underground Hyperloop. <laughs> For oh, beer kegs. There you go. Start launching them through the Hyperloop we underneath. We don't even have to go. We just launch them through. Right? Not my Hyperloop, bro. Oh, no. Get like a trebuchet and just like launch them. Like, <laughs> trebuchet. Wow. Launch them like across the border right into Utah. I wonder if there are like, any like decommissioned missiles we could use. <laughs> Might be just easier. I have drones that drop weed seeds everywhere. Yeah, that That'll was, show you. I was actually thinking that. Imagine like the, like the center medians of highways. It's all weed. If you just got drones, just... Dropped a bunch of like weed seeds in there. Yeah, I like that. That and like clementines. And clementines? Yeah, it's gotta be somewhere south though. I guess to grow clementines. Yeah, yeah. What kind of fruit grows everywhere? Like apples? Apples and weed. Maybe some cross pollination going on. Johnny Appleweed. Johnny Appleweed. <laughs> exactly. That's when you get a hybrid. You got a, you know, <laughs> uh, what do they call the hybridization of the plants? Yeah. The Let's see what happens. Apple and weed. Life Tobacco. Uh, finds a way. Tobacco. Tomacco. <laughs> yes. That's a great Simpsons reference. See, <laughs> <laughs> so we could have a, a, a apple weed. Yeah. So these are the things we can do. You know, these are we're gonna we have to go big so in the we future. can launch kegs of beer via trebuchet and make apple weed. I like it. I drones, like it. Those are the two notes that I have from this whole conversation so far. Yeah. <laughs> drones dropping weed. <laughs> that's like so, that's some kind of weird propaganda campaign. Pain where like you're like <laughs> instead of dropping flyers, you're launching kegs into the next state. This is like kegs anti 1984. This yeah. is the complete opposite of that. <laughs> this is anti Orwellian. Oh man, I love this. See, this is like again, these are never ideas we would have on our own. We just kind of have to throw things at. It's like playing like three person like three like person ping -pong. doubles, <laughs> three person ping pong. You know, there's like three nets, <laughs> three two nets. nets. Some triangular net somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're banging the wall against the ball against the wall by yourself. You're not going to come up with these ideas. You need to throw them out there. Boom. See what happens. I like it. Get these balls whacking your face. <laughs> Throwing the balls everywhere. <laughs> balls everywhere. <laughs> balls to the wall. All right. And this is why we do the podcast. See, that was like know? a little think tank brainstorming session. Yeah. This is how great things happen. We come out with the idea, and that's going to give somebody out there that's like a genetic engineer that's going to make weed apples tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. And he may call them the highfalutin strain. There, there you, know? you go. And then some some really weird person is going to make a trebuchet and actually start <laughs> <laughs> through windows into cars. It's that seems be like pretty bad. That seems like a, like a 
hipster thing to do. You know, like <laughs> I've built my own trebuchet from That's repurposed right. wood. <laughs> so, so you're saying Brooklyn is where it's going to start? Well, I think there's not enough room at, or wood in Brooklyn. That's right. You have to have the hipster who like, I think the Trustafarian crew perhaps in Colorado. There you go. Yeah. It's got to be Utah though. I mean, that's the problem. Like Utah just, if they could just fix their laws. 4% fear. Come on. God, there's just, I mean, you got Colorado right next door doing everything right. Yeah. And Utah's just sitting there with their 37 wide Morbid Tabernacle Choir. Maybe Colorado should just annex Utah. Why, why can't they? You just do it. They could, right? Would they even notice? What are they going to do? Yeah. Take that, Utah. I mean, you got Utah. <laughs> so we got, you got Utah there, and you got Nevada on one side, and then Colorado on the other. <clears throat> yeah. Like, I mean, you got craziness on both sides. You, it, it's got to be. Eventually, it's going to crush in. It's got to seep in there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seepage. Yeah. Well, since you're going to get the trebuchets and the weed drones. <laughs> <laughs> it's really going to come closing in. So it definitely will be an invasion. It won't be slow and yes. steady. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have weapons? No, they're launching kegs at us. <laughs> Goddamn full kegs. I'm going to put wife number four in the way to block <laughs> the keg from hitting four. me. Wife number three got taken out like yesterday. 37 kids. Yeah. Oh, man. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> horrible, but true. <laughs> All right. All right. So thank you guys, everyone, for listening. We do really do appreciate it. Again, check us out. All of our information is available at skibumpodcast.com or send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Under the ropes. This is one of our favorite segments here. We're going to go under the ropes, get a little fresh powder. So this is kind of a follow-up from last week then, right? These first two stories? Yeah, first two are a follow-up from last week um, on two different stories that we did. And uh, so Pitbull, if anybody doesn't know, is lending his private plane to help cancer patients in Puerto Rico get treatment uh, that they need. That's Mr. Worldwide Pitbull, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Mr. Worldwide. (laughs) But uh, he's sending his private plane to Puerto Rico for cancer patients to be brought to the mainland of the U.S. for treatment. Um, right now, Puerto Rico is pretty messed up. If anybody hasn't seen any video on TV, it's pretty effed up. Um, I personally still haven't, uh, nobody in my family has gotten in touch with two of our cousins, uh, uncle, cousin, and cousins watching the uncle and another, uh, cousin, uh, different party. And it's just, they don't have power. They, nothing. It's, they're, they're having problems even getting food into the island. It's pretty messed up. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of cool. You know, that story. And then, uh, this one is kind of like a little bit disturbing, but it's good that they're they're turning it into something good. So uh, after Burning Man, there were um, about 5,000 bicycles that were um, abandoned at Burning Man. Now, the thing that is disappointing about this is Burning Man is you go and you, you leave everything the way you found it. That's like the mantra for it. Mm-hmm. And these people obviously are just out there to party and they just left bicycles. Uh, oddly enough, some of them are like almost brand new bicycles. They they were showing some that they cleaned up, and they're like out of the five thousand, they're like anywhere between a thousand and two thousand are going to be really in good condition. So what they're going to do is somebody actually um, did some fundraising, and then they did some uh, crowdsourcing to do some more fundraising. I think it was on uh, I don't know if it was Indiegogo, but they uh, they raised some money. And what they're going to wind up doing is trying to send as many bikes as they can over to Houston, the Caribbean. Now, uh, a lot of people don't know. If you don't know, when Houston was hit, 
uh, all the flooding wiped out a lot of people's cars, automobiles, and the Caribbean, these islands were devastated. So uh, what it's actually going to do, they, they were actually, this article uh, spoke about, you know, as an example, this one um, woman who lost her car and they're like, you know, the thought of making a major purchase on a car right now is impossible because mm -hmm. they're just trying to get their their whole life together and their house and their belongings. Their families, food, and I basic mean, stuff, yeah. They lost everything. So they're actually saying in Houston and the Caribbean and, you know, these wherever's going to get these bicycles, it's going to actually boost uh, the idea of people riding bikes because it's cheap and easy way to get around, at least for right now. So, yeah, they're saying they lost like 500,000 cars uh, in Houston. That's devastating. That's insane. But it's, you know, the interesting thing out of this is, you know, you wonder, is that going to promote more of a culture of people riding bikes like they do in Europe? You know, probably Maybe. not. At least for a while. It's too much barbecue in Texas. <laughs> you know, like it could keep people like right neutral with the, uh, you would hope so. But yeah, if, there, if there's a time that it's going to happen, it would be now. But there's a fork in the road, Houston. Which way are you going to go? There's a fork because you've been eating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're saying there was a, a GoFundMe they set up uh, to arrange yeah, storage units and, and bikes to have them in Utah or in uh, Reno, get them you know, cleaned up and then sent down to the Caribbean and to Houston, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome they're doing that. They put the connection together. And I don't. I just don't get why they were all left there. I know. Do people just them. buy these like three hundred dollars, five hundred dollars bikes and just use them for a couple hours or a couple days and then just leave them there? It's like a ton not? of beach cruisers just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And some of them, they showed some of them that were fixed up. They looked like brand new bikes. Um, but I, I think one of the things in Burning Man, you're not allowed to have a like a propelled vehicle, a non-self-propelled vehicle, unless it's like a... Safety, or isn't like, like the any sort of like hospital cruise or... Right, or it has to be a vehicle that moves that doesn't look like a vehicle. It's, it's probably just like a lot of like, you know, a lot of people that flew in and they're like, I can't fly home with this thing. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably what happened. Bike shops outside the town made a killing probably, oh, yeah. selling the bikes and people just leaving them. That's... That's crazy. Yeah, that would be really cool if, you know, all of a sudden Houston became this really big Bike biking town. city. Yeah, yeah, because of something like this, you know, finding silver lining, something positive in a, in a you know, sad situation. All right. So we, got, we have the, a very forward-thinking individual here. Um, <laughs> he's got some interesting ideas. Um, you know, so we'd like to explore those. But this uh, rapper, I guess, B.O.B., he's uh, raising funds via a crowdfunding approach, you know, very, very up-to-date, very modern method, um, just to, you know, check if the earth is flat or not. So this guy, is, uh, his real name is Bobby Ray Simmons Jr. He's been a very vocal proponent of the flat earth theory, the claim that the earth is, in fact, a disk and not spherical. So, you know, I guess NASA and, you know, science has been lying to us this whole time, but uh, some proponents of the flat earth theory claim NASA employees guard the edge of the world to prevent people from falling off. Well, yeah, of course. They're keeping us safe, guys. <laughs> it's got to be all, that's what, that's why drones were invented, you know, they monitor all the borders. Exactly. Build a wall. <laughs> So he's seeking the raise 
$200,000 on a GoFundMe crowdfunding website um, <laughs> where he, he refers to himself as Flat Earth Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Flat Earth Bob. At the time of writing, he has raised a little over $650, which I got to say is probably like the bartender putting a 10 in the tip jar to start the night yeah. off. He's probably like, you know, got his mom to put 650 in just to make it look like he's, you know, going someplace with this. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. He's up to $3,151. Wow. Now they said wow. he donated a thousand to get the cause going. Well, <laughs> so that was probably you. on top of the other. There you go. It shows you how we got the president we got now. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, and this is the not apparently it's not the first time that he's voiced his doubts. In 2016, he came embroiled in a Twitter spat with a rena- with renowned astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson about the issue. That's awesome that he actually got a response from him. Yeah. So ridiculous. Do we have audio of this? <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> wish. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what's awesome is that. I just know, imagine Neil deGrasse Tyson slapping himself in the face repeatedly after listening to this. Yeah, I, right. I love that he says, no matter how, how high an elevation you are, the horizon is always eye level. Sorry, cadets. I didn't want to believe it either. <laughs> cadets. He does not want to believe. But unfortunately, the evidence all points to flat earth. This is what happens when there's just too much food and shelter and not enough predators in the world for humans. You have enough time to sit back, smoke a ton of weed, and think about this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's not round, man. Flat. Yeah, so he wants to raise $200,000, and he's saying he wants to put up weather balloons and satellites <laughs> with that money. I think a satellite costs, like, what, like $10 million? But I mean... I don't think it's quite that much. Yeah, two hundred thousand is not enough to do to do anything meaningful. Just putting it down research. Yeah, he's getting a satellite on layaway or something. I mean, with the got that Red Bull guy, who uh, who went up in the balloon and did the the highest free fall jump. Oh yeah. I mean, he's up there, and you can see the curvature of the Earth. You don't need to. You know, give me twenty dollars, and I'll show you the YouTube video. It's all fake. All right, how much does it cost to send a satellite into space? So Quora.com is estimating there's a huge range of costs, but just talking about the launch of the vehicle, anywhere between $50 million and $500 million. That's uh, well, show money right there. Oh, wait a minute. I know what he's doing. He's trying to collect this money for when Elon Musk has his reusable rocket launches, and it's like 200000 There you go. Huh, That's got to be it. That's he's smart. It. Tesla. He's banking on Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. SpaceX. Flat Earth Bob is banking on Tesla. Flat Earth Bob, man. He's got a budget too. You know? Once the market gets hold of that, Tesla can't stock's go all going in. up. Yeah, right. He's a rapper and a project manager. <laughs> and obviously a man of science. Oh, yeah, definitely. The Earth. Well, well, you know what? The nice thing is, is by 2020, you will be able to get the world's first flying car to fly over this flat Earth. Oh, he maybe he wants to buy just one of those. Maybe that's it. That would make things so much easier. Right? Aeromobile, uh, a flying car company, has unveiled the first edition of its new vehicle and is taking pre-orders for shipments in 2020. 
The vehicle will sell around for around 1.3 to 1.7 million dollars, depending on specifications. It the company, pretty cool. The company has released its new model and is currently taking pre-orders for the limited edition first edition of the flying car. All pre-orders of the Aeromobile will ship 2020, and the added time will give the company a chance to increase production to meet the demands of building 500 vehicles. The two-seated vehicle powered by hybrid propulsion can pr- transform from a car to a plane in under three minutes. It also boosts a driving range of 434 miles and a flight range that is 466 miles at 75% of its top speed. On the ground, the vehicle boasts a top speed of around 100 miles an hour, and in the air, 224. That's pretty good. So it looks like a weird monorail from the like the front part of it with a wheel, and then the back is the, uh, the tail section of the plane, I guess, folded down. So you yeah, have these two... It looks like a sailboat in the back and some kind of weird pod up front. Right? Almost yeah. looks like a helicopter front. So you got to have about 1.3 to 1.7 million for one of these. And I don't know, it doesn't really say what sort of license you might need to fly this thing. Um, I imagine you got to be. That's well, the only way this thing can succeed, though, is if it stays at 1.3 million. Yeah. Because like, you can't have hundreds of these things in the air. You can oh have like God. 10. Between that and the drones delivering shit, it's going to be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> because then they're going to make this one and there's going to be like, a, like an SUV version of it which is going to be bigger <laughs> and then another I mean, version yeah. of it. And, it's like how many Cessnas go down and this thing is going to be up there. Flown by individual people. Yeah. yeah. And you can see the first person like who didn't have a pilot's license flying the thing. Like, well, just a car. <laughs> just a car that goes in the air. All right, so people drive drunk in a car. What's going to happen in the air? Oof! Could you imagine people flying drunk? Uh, no, <laughs> I want no part of that. Although, listen, I got to say, if an Uber came and picked me up in a flying car, that guy is definitely getting a five dollar tip at least, you know. <laughs> and a five star review. Yeah. So. Only if he's got water and candy in the back. Like. <laughs> yeah. And an iPhone charger. Hey. Yeah, I like when they have the the charger. I'm like, oh, great. That's nice. The charger. Yeah. Working for that extra tip. I like it. That's true. Hustling. So, yeah. So, we'll probably pick up a couple of these flying cars. You know, keep them in the old, uh, in the old garage just in case. We're going to have to have a few around. Do traffic. I have like two or three around because you're going to leave, leave them in different areas. Might as well, right? You're going to want to not have to refuel and then fly again. So, you just drop it off and then Wouldn't switch. That be, imagine being the first guy to like to have one of these and you just say you're going up, going skiing somewhere. You know, you're flying out to this. Say you're flying out to like Telluride, but you need gas between Denver or wherever you're flying and getting there. And you just fly down and land at the gas station, like some like podunk little gas station. And think about how you how much you would freak out rolling the person working there. Just rolling on your car and be like, oh, you know, let's go get something to eat. And you drive. Oh, there's definitely some dude racking a shotgun and coming out at you because you he thinks you're an alien. Oh, definitely, yeah. Right? yeah. Well, you land, then you go through drive through like Taco Bell or something. Yeah. And then you take off again right on the road. That'd freak people well. out. Oh, yeah. Freak them out, yeah. Freak them out. And freak them out that you're eating Taco Bell. That's true. <laughs> See, I don't know what's crazier. Mm, delicious. <laughs> Those Doritos taco shells, though, are pretty unbelievable. You know, $1.2 million car, and that flies. You're getting you're Taco, taco Bell. Bell. Yep. It's the same. Man to people. <laughs> it's the great equalizer. Right? That's right. 
All right, so next up we have, after 250 years, Germany finally sees a bison, and it's immediately killed. <laughs> so uh, the bizarre thing about this, um, there, the conservationists are in outrage right now because an official in Germany ordered hunters to shoot the first wild bison seen in the country in more than two centuries. So back in the 20th century in Europe, uh, bison were uh, hunted near to extinction. And they're making a comeback now, um, particularly in a in Poland. They have a preserve where um, they believe this bison may have gotten, uh, may have escaped, you know, gotten loose or whatever, roamed away from, and it roamed into Germany. Well, Germany used to have them, at, uh, you know, these roaming around, and somebody, you know, some official thought it was a danger to uh, citizens, so he ordered um, some hunters to shoot the. Uh, the bison. So uh, it's pretty crazy. Okay, so they think it came from a preserve, yeah. right? That's what they're saying. Yeah, they say well, uh, a national park. A national park. Yeah, per, I guess that's. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't hiding for like two hundred years? <laughs> the bison family. Well, that's what they think. Maybe it was like underground bison hiding within plain sight. Mm -hmm. That bison's been there forever. It's wearing a disguise. It's been Oktoberfest. <laughs> Every time I go to Oktoberfest, I see a bison. Like, guten Tag, Carl. Oh, <laughs> guten Tag, Hans. <laughs> bison with like, a, uh, like glasses and a That's nose right. and a mustache. <laughs> he has planes in there. I've been here the whole time. What are you talking about? The beer? No, I have no hands. Sorry. <laughs> the one day is not wearing his costume. <laughs> that was dangerous. I thought guns were like pretty illegal in Germany, too. I know. Well, not hunting. That's different. Yeah, I guess. I'll hunt the shit out of anything, though, won't they? I, I mean, there's not... I, they don't really have the ability to hunt like we do here. Like, they don't have all that land. I mean, Germany is the size of Wisconsin. Wow. It's not that big. No. So, I know, like, we have we have very different laws regarding hunting and guns because we do have so much land <laughs> and, and so many different national parks set up and areas where you can hunt. Um. Yeah, but I guess uh, you know they made their comeback for at least a few hours, and then <laughs> a few hours got right back to where they used to be. I am curious though, like you guys were saying before, did they make jerky out of it? Did they eat it? Like it's good eating. At least you got later hosen. I'm hoping you know they they at least made use of it. Bison burgers. It's the first pair of bison yeah. later hosen in 250 years. <laughs> Wooly later hosen. That'd be awesome, right? Awesome. Like Chewbacca hosen. <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> Or maybe like you take the the fur off and you like braid it into your beard and then you go to the beard growing competition and try oh, to. Oh like, yeah, that's right. You're trying to cheat it, beard. Yeah, beard trying to cheat it. As long as you're not selling too much oxy, you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> you beat the Lance Armstrong of beard competitions. My beard's got to weave. I did not beard dope. I did yeah. not beard not dope. Beard dope. Is there a drug you can take to make your hair grow faster? Um, That'd be beard doping. I think if they did, there would be dudes lining up to buy it. <laughs> All over the place. Propecious as close as it gets, I think. Well, it wouldn't give you extra hair. I'm just saying make your hair grow faster. Just faster? Yeah. Just, like just, just in the beard area. Imagine like being able to like mess with your buddies and like put it in their ears. It's like, <laughs> they're like drunk and you put them in their ears and like the next morning they're like, what the hell? Freaking like a, a broccoli florette coming out of their ears. <laughs> it's hair. Just all hair. Put it in their pubes. It's like, what the hell? I did the beard competition with my ear hair. Yeah. Nasty. Is I mean, I'm surprised there is no ear hair competition. You know? Yet. How do you know that? that Next happen? year, we're going to host one in Aspen. Let's see. The Aspen ear hair growing competition. 
Let's see. Uh, Singapore, there is. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is longest ear hair in the Guinness Book of World Records. India? Um, let's see. Anthony Victor of India. Really? Has hair sprouting from the Wait. center of his outer ears, middle of the pinna. I have no idea what that is. There's that measures 18.1 centimeters. There's a guy in India named Anthony Victor. <laughs> yep. That's his, are, that's his real name. These are lies. <laughs> that's his real name. <laughs> this sounds like his, his bad uh, phone phone tele, like, support operator name. He's a retired headmaster known by his pupils as the ear-haired teacher. Ugh. He has seven-inch long hair coming out of his ears. Oh, my God. Like not just one strand, like a whole bunch of them? That's at the longest point, they're saying. Is there a picture <laughs> of it? That's long. I don't think you want to see a picture of that. It's yeah, I mean, what does he do? Like, like pass it off as sideburns or something? <laughs> Braid him. Seven inches of ear hair. Ugh. Like, I how wonder what he, kind of headphones he needs to use. How does he oh, hear? Holy shit, this is terrifying. Why doesn't he just like pluck it out? Oh my god, that's so nice. I'm looking it up. Oh my god, this guy is the best. He looks. Just look up Anthony Victor, comma India, and you'll see it. Oh my God, a new record! He just broke it in 2010. Oh, look at it. He's he's like got the styling. <laughs> he's got like it looks like it's like, like 70s pigtails on there. Oh my God! <clears throat> Damn, he's like got flared out. He's just like whatever. I'm he is it, he is owning this shit. Yeah, like he is not hiding behind it. He is owning it. This is what I do, man. Got my ear hair. Like, where is it coming from? It's not inside, though, is it? It's like the outside ear. I'm trying to figure this out. He's a handsome gentleman. You want a close-up, don't you? <clears throat> oh, this is, is this the former record holder? Oh, five inches. Get out of here. Get your weak-ass freaking ear hair. Take your fancy little five inches. This guy. This guy's the king. I think that's what she said. Yes. <laughs> It's weak sauce. Don't bring that five inches over. But could you imagine? Like, I don't understand how he uses headphones, though. I don't know. Damn. He's very proud of it. He's enjoying it. Is this a new look in some in some circles? I don't know. Look at how popular the beard is. You know, it can. Uh, what's I, the What's the next level? I know there's a big mustache growing in India too. They have like a big world mustache growing thing. Were they in Austin, Texas, for the? World Beer and Mustache Championship a few weeks ago? I don't know. But you this is the up. next thing they're going to use to lure people in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Into the, into the trap. The new category. And so, like, in terms of back hair record, too. What happened to the Guinness Book of World Records? They used to have, like, real important records. Internet. And it just kind of spiraled out of control. Well, everybody tries to break the obscure ones, like... Longest fruitcake? Like, really? <laughs> what would they do? Longest shot ski? They keep doing that every few years. Yeah, they keep breaking each other's records. Well, freaking Utah is trying to do it with beer. Yeah, it's, that's a violation. Well, I mean, what's the Guinness Book of World Records for the most number of beers consumed on a cross United States flight? Wade Boggs. Oh, Wade <laughs> motherfucking Boggs. That's right. Wade. And they were tall boys. Fuck that. I'm going <laughs> to... Tall boys and there are nine percenters. That's yeah. Right. Double IPAs. So apparently, the Guinness Book of World Records, one of the highlights is 
Kyle Moyer scoffed down three pickled hard-boiled eggs in 44 and a half seconds. Oh, my God. I just want to know why Chris Christie has not, in all his tenure, entered the hot dog eating contest. I think he would do well. I think pickled eggs is more his thing. Like, whatever. I mean, that's what I picture him smelling like. It's a just big Nathan's Jersey thing, the hot dog eating contest. I want to see Christie just doing it, doing what he does, shoving yeah. in wieners right in his mouth, <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the beach and eating wieners. That's what he does. Gobbling wieners. That's what he's doing all day. Just go- inhaling them wieners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sitting on a closed beach, just inhaling wieners. That's right. <laughs> All right, now more wackiness from Asia. Cops killed China's short-lived sex doll sharing app. What? Yes, they, China has an app, or had an app called Teku, which was kind of like City Bike, but for plastic women. And how that you, you can bone and return. And how do you know this, Brian? <laughs> because <laughs> I am a surveyor and purveyor of crazy information on the internet. So Beijing-based... Kevin, you ever been to China? (laughs) (laughs) You ever seen a grown man naked? (laughs) So Beijing-based Taiku, branded in English as Touch, unveiled its line of sex dolls on Thursday with pop-up presentations and condom giveaways. Five types of doll were available. Greek bikini model, U.S. Wonder Woman, Korean housewife. Wait, Greek bikini model? (laughs) I guess that's the thing in Beijing. I was, was going to say, I'm like, that's never occurred in any of my fantasies. <laughs> Until you've seen oh, this doll. Did you see You see the one dress of like Xena Warrior Princess? That's, the the one, that's US Wonder Woman. <laughs> Korean awesome. housewife, Russian teenager, and Hong Kong car race cheerleader. <laughs> For just 298 won a day, a lonely heart could rent one of these Silicon women or pay 1,298 won and a 8,000 won deposit to spend a week with it. Wait, is it like those? Is it like the real ones or like the ones that like the blow up ones? These are pretty pretty good. They're these like real dolls. Pretty real. Okay. So the company would remove and clean the quote lower parts before sending it back out of the door to the next lucky uh, customer. That's pretty nice of them to do that. <laughs> I uh, would hope they would. You can like put that in an autoclave or something. Doll swapping, which is one aspect of the app. It also sells sex toys and condoms and serves as a forum for 500,000 active users, according to Zhang Ying, a spokesperson for the company. Wow. There are a billion people in China. So think about that. So Um, what percentage is that? (laughs) Way too damn many. Yeah. Well, we did the story on (laughs) Barcelona that opened up the sex doll brothel. Yes. It's kind of the same thing, but it's like just sharing. If the demand was like ridiculous, they need to get more dolls in. They can't. They need more holes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so Zhang, Zhang told the, uh, the writer of the article over email and WeChat that they created the app five years ago with the mission of helping people in China talk openly about sex and experiment with their fantasies anonymously. The unveiling of the sex doll rental feature was just the latest in their work toward revolutionizing how Chinese citizens view sex, but it only lasted four days before the police find them and shut them down. <laughs> because of the renting dolls, the police call us and said it's vulgar and give us a punishment, Zhang said. The fine was around 2001 or three days, what we, the equivalent of three days of spending with the doll. <laughs> After careful consideration, we decided to voluntarily shut down the lease of the doll business. Because our business is listed as a company, we must be careful. 
So they didn't it's, lock the dolls up? They didn't lock the dolls up. I don't know who has... It's because they, did, the right they didn't... Uh, they didn't uh, bribe the right person. That's yeah. Right. This is like the Blade Runner sex dolls, man. It was like acid forfeiture. They're like, we must uh, take your doll. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, my 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 uh, buddy, he went over there. He went over to China. And he, was, he was his parents were from China. He went over there to to start a restaurant. It was an American Chinese food restaurant in China. So like to give them a sense of what American people wow. want, like thought Chinese food was like. And it, like it was it was visited by a lot of like expat expats and stuff like that who like missed you know, Chinese food as they remember it. So like General So's chicken in China. Yeah. Yeah. Finally. Stuff like that. Like stuff like you would never actually find in China. Awesome. And he says it was just like constant, constant, constant bribes. He had, like he went out of business cause he just had, he couldn't afford the bribes. Wow. Yeah. So I'm saying this guy just bribed the right people. Everybody would be getting their sex dolls. Yeah. Right. My my father in law, he's a a world traveler for business, and he said he was just in um, he was just in Malaysia, but he'd been in China a few weeks before. We were talking about you know just different Asian cultures. Because asking him like I'm like, what's Malaysia like? You know, is it is it similar to you know Japan? Is it more like a like mainland China? Like what's it like? And he said, well, it's a Muslim country, so it's you know a little bit different. And we just started you know he said there's a small city center where like the conference centers are and those the the towers they have there those like famous mm-hmm. towers um, in Kuala Lumpur. And, but then we kind of talked about like, talking about like, you know, people he works with from China and he's like, they are just very into things that are Chinese. Like they, mm-hmm. they're, they don't, I mean, there's certain like luxury things like, you know, Apple and Buick apparently is very big in China. Um, but they're very into like their kind of food. Like they don't like to try different foods and they don't like to try a lot of Western stuff. Not all, but the majority of people. And he was saying there was someone in his work who would come to Norway where their company is based out of and he would bring ramen noodles, like dried ramen with him to eat while he was there because wow. he did not want to try any sort of like Western food. Hmm. Wow. Crazy, right? Yeah. It's wild. They have a very different culture over there. I mean, it's, you know, obviously they're a communist country, but they're sort of, sort of capitalistic also at the same time. Um, but their, their belief systems are, extremely different from western ones wow so, yeah it's a uh, it's kind of interesting though to to take to take a different look and see how other yeah, people live and, and find what they what do they find normal and what is what's their where their belief systems come from that's what makes going over there so cool is it's like like the last unexplored frontier type of thing you know it's like you're not going out you're not going crazy and like hiking into alaska to like go live in the woods but you're around other people and everything like you kind of are used to is there but everything's a little bit different yeah oh wow all right so you know we're as a society we're hopefully kind of moving towards like you know greener future you know elon musk he's trying to give us uh electric cars are renewable and hopefully we get away from coal eventually. So I'm just trying to help some people at home, (laughs) you know, kind of reduce your electric bill, kind of get on this green bandwagon. And there's an, there's a link, which I think you guys are going to post, but it's how you can use powdered donuts to collect solar energy. 
Mm. And I, I, yeah, I'm going to have to preface this though. I've looked over the, I've looked over the process and if you try to do it, somebody will come arrest you for making meth. <laughs> it, it's just going to happen. Uh, Small price to pay. Yeah. I Remember mean, your carbon footprint. And if you actually get through the whole process with eating all the donuts, then more power to you. So the way it works is, um, there's a main component of solar power or solar panels is titanium dioxide. And apparently you also use titanium dioxide to make white coloring in food. Hmm. So you got to get white powder donuts. You have to uh, take the white powder off, put it in water to get the sugar out. Then you got to bake it at 500 degrees to get the fats out. That's so and much work. Yeah, and then you got to find some kind of special glass, and I think you need to, oh, yeah, don't forget the 200-proof ethanol, which is a like, you know, 100% pure alcohol. Good luck trying to find that. And then you need... Where would you even find that? Oh, oh it's a wiki how. No, no, the, 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 uh, the ethanol. Oh, I don't even know where you'd find that. Oh, wait. 200-proof lab-grade ethanol is best, but vodka or Everclear will work in a pinch. There you go. Everclear, the answer to everything. Oh, it is. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. If you want to go through this whole thing, if you're very much a, a DIYer, uh, I recommend checking out this WikiHow. And, you know, if you have good luck with it, I think you guys would like to hear about it. Um, but I would say just eat the donuts and go out and, uh, buy some, buy a solar roof from Tesla and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. This is actually, I guess if you are a prepper though, this might not be a, a bad thing to have on hand. A couple, a couple cases of, of Everclear and a bunch of those like Entenmann's donuts. Yeah. Everclear like, is just uh, in case. 75, it's a, it, that's a 190 proof. Close enough. So I read through the whole article and then the, one of the three top questions in this whole thing of how to make a solar cell at home is where would I find a multimeter? I'll let you can buy in the store. Amazon. Prime next day. You can get it tomorrow if you want. <laughs> like if that, you have to, I think, you know, if you have to ask that question, you're probably not like prime to get this thing going, but you know what? bucks Amazon. Nope, piece of cake. Um, he went for 18 bucks at Home Depot. Home Depot, yep. Perfect. Now, with the earth being flat, would it help the solar panels get more <laughs> energy from the sun? Absolutely. For 12 hours a day, it would. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's flat, so you should just be able to lay them down in one direction, right? Yeah. That works. No, this is more, this is like, I think this is like, you're right. I think this is kind of prepper stuff. Yeah. You know, you bring you brought a bunch of like donuts to the top of the mountain because you're like, oh man, I'm gonna get high, and then like the world explodes, and you're like, oh, I need to charge my cell phone. I'll just make a little like solar panel. If you're MacGyver, you're you're trying to call in a uh, chopper or something. Yeah, definitely. You can never be too prepared. I would love to see somebody actually do this. I gotta look this up on YouTube and see if anybody's <laughs> actually done it. I'm wondering if it's dangerous to make though. I don't think so. It sounds more delicious to make. <laughs> Everclear and powdered donuts. Mmm. Mm. That's funny. All right. So I guess we got one more story left for number 100. All right. This is actually part, partly uh, a 
part of a public service announcement as well. Yes. So uh, health professionals in Arizona are warning those traveling to Mexico to be aware of possible contaminated 7-Up beverages in the Mexicali area. Uh-oh, what are they contaminated with, Mario? And basically, they're saying it's a travel warning about meth, meth-laced soda in Mexico. <laughs> so, yes, they're saying it's contaminated uh, with meth. And um, they're looking at about, you know, areas about 240 miles from Phoenix, 124 miles from San Diego, just south of the California border and Interstate 8. Um, and they're saying... Methamphetamine was found in Seven Up drinks originating in Mexicali. Wow! So I guess it gives a new meaning to the term Mexico. Mexico, but don't bump. Because that's the think, coke that's made with you know just the regular real sugar. Yeah, it's so much better it. than yeah the high fructose stuff. I think you need to add this to like the the four loco uh, stash you got. That's what I got to score some, right? Yeah, you can have like a museum of this stuff. <laughs> like and a microdose it. Banned substances. Microdose yeah. it. So. How did Banned they soft know, drinks. How did they know to even test for meth? Like, were people just like taking Seven Up and just like, getting all? Like, I guess people got cracked out. How did it get sick? in there, or why did it get in there? I don't even know. Someone dumping a stash somewhere? I don't know, man. That's bad for Seven Up people. But you figured more than seven people would get sick. Or maybe Seven Up secret ingredient is meth, and he's put too much in. That could be too. It could be. You know, it's like Coca Cola was originally what coca leaves that coca actually used coca leaves. Yeah. So that could be it. Maybe meth is the original ingredient in 7-Up and they just put too much in. I think I think you're onto something. I think that's the most plausible thing. And I think the earth might be flat too. We should, we should suggest this to Mythbusters. <laughs> see if you can get them to test it. Oh, here it is. I just uh, looked up the ingredients for 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has Splenda, but they all have methamphetamine. So <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Right? <laughs> to make it healthy, they add the Splenda. This is why you should always get Sprite for your lemon-lime beverage of choice. <laughs> so what's in Jolt Cola? There's got to be meth in that. There's like cracking Jolt, Jolt that's, Cola, isn't there? super meth. Now with real meth. <laughs> <laughs> Organic. Now with, now with Breaking Bad quality meth. Yeah. Heisenberg. Wasn't there like a blue Pepsi? They could do like a blue meth Pepsi. Heisenberg Pepsi, man. Right? Boom. Of course, they're late. They should have done it while Breaking Bad was out. Yeah, party's over. Now, if this was during Breaking Bad, now that's like you got something. There was like, a whole marketing tie in there. People yeah. are trying to run out and get it. Yeah. So what do you do? You drink? like? I think you smoke meth or inject. I don't know what you do with meth. I think you have options. I think you drink. Yeah, but how did, yeah, how do they know to test for meth out of everything else? Right? Like, how do they like come up with, oh, there's meth in here. Like, oh, no, it wasn't arsenic. Did they test for every, like, little other thing? Or or maybe they just, again, I'm just way too stupid to even understand how they test for anything in, in these beverages. They Maybe they just, yeah. Mexican teenagers Saw dies. an extra chemical compound, and I was like, oh, this, is, this, this makes meth. Wow. So there's a Mexican teenager trying to sneak meth into, liquid meth into the U.S., and he took several sips of the liquid meth in front of um, border officers to prove that it wasn't meth, and he <laughs> convulsed and died. So I guess it is bad if you drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. It's not so great either if you smoke it or inject it either. Damn. 
This sounds like I don't know who makes Seven Up. Who's the the parent company? Is that a Pepsi product? Pepsi, right? I bet it's I like Coke, like just spreading rumors. I think they were like one of those weird soda companies that was owned by not Pepsi or Coke. It's distributed by I think Pepsi, but it's the Snapple, Dr Pepper Snapple Group. This is just too. It's just too weird to believe, right? Deadly Seven Up laced with meth. That's crazy. Oh, they have a vid. This 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 article I just looked up has a video of that guy drinking the soda you were talking about. Yeah, he oh, was at, really? He was at the border. They're saying he was yeah. uh, egged on by the U.S. border agents caught encouraging <laughs> teenager to drink liquid meth. <laughs> like, come man. on, you pussy! You can do it. Well, they're probably telling him you're gonna get arrested if you don't. Meth, 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 meth. meth. <laughs> oh, all right. Wait a minute. 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 So it says health health authorities have issued a warning to Americans traveling to Mexico after methamphetamines were found in a, in bottles of Seven Up. It doesn't mean like it came out of the manufacturer and it had methamphetamine. It's like somebody just took a Seven Up bottle and shoved some meth in it. Oh, that's it. They were smuggling the meth in Seven Up bottles. And- yeah, I mean that's like if I was like looking at this video and reading this article and the same thing, I'm like some dude had a Seven Up bottle, shoved some meth in it. Took a couple of sips in it and died, and everybody's like, "Oh God, Seven Up's got meth in it!" Like, no, this guy shoved some meth in a Seven Up bottle. <clears throat> so hmm. this is kind of this. So I guess it's yeah, not really. I don't know. It's like it depends on how you read it. It's one of those things. Yeah. So they're saying drinking meth is less physically harmful than smoking it, but it will erode the stomach lining and probably kill you. Obviously. Yeah, it's it's the Dr Pepper Snapple Group. That's who owns Seven Up. Wow, things that I never thought I'd look up. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. See what this podcast how does? To, how to drink meth, or why to drink meth? I, I don't know. See, that's the beauty of this podcast. We never know what direction we're going to go and what kind of things we're going to learn. <laughs> right. So exactly. don't drink meth, kids. Stay off the meth. Stay off the meth. That's funny. And if you go to Mexico, watch out with your Seven Up. Yeah. Right. So I guess that about wraps up the old podcast for the week. It does. Yeah, Kev, thank you so much for joining us again this week. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I like being here. This is fun. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, well, uh, please check us out on all of our stuff on skibumpodcast.com, all of our social stuff, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast. We are on Pinterest as the Highfalutins. We're also on SoundCloud as Highfalutin-Ski-Bum. Mario, good luck on the rest of your move. Thank you. Um, Next time we podcast, you will be down in the Sunshine State. So, not sure if it'll be next week or the week after, but uh, we will be back. Could be next week. Um, I'll be down there. Look at that. Right back on the wagon. Back on the wagon. I think you guys need to cheer to 100. Definitely. That's right. Cheers. Cheers. So thank you guys again for listening, and we'll uh, see you next week. Stay high, stay polluting. See ya.